Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 46, part two. Um, <laughs> first time ever, as I mentioned last week, we had to cut it kind of in half there. We've just been talking so long and, uh, you know, some of these websites don't allow you to put a three hour episode up there. It'll take forever to upload <laughs> yeah. it. So I figured we'd cut it in half. So Kyle, Kyle Gibbons is back taking the time again to continue on his journey. And we left off last week, uh, just kind of finished up your, your North American, uh, pro career and you had decided to to head over to Europe and uh you end up going to Degendorf there in the Oberliga in Germany but I'm just curious we'll start off there like you know how did that chance uh kind of come about for you yeah well thanks for having me back uh I try to keep it a little shorter this time I was probably a little long-winded uh last episode but uh yeah so I obviously started in uh Degendorf in the in the Oberliga um yeah just kind of I played, like I said before, I played with a couple guys that had only played, I think they played in Sweden and in throughout the UK um, when I was in Fayetteville. So they wanted to try, you know, North American hockey. And um, the one was like, he was friends with, or his agent was like, a, you know, one of those guys on Facebook or whatever, they just post like, Hey, uh, opening in whatever league. And then you, you know, you give them your name and they probably get 500 other names and, you know, you hope they call him back. And I guess he like kind of was his friend or something. I, I don't really remember, but yeah, anyway, he was kind of the one that got us in, in touch. And, um, you know, it's kind of a funny story how I got over to Germany because I originally was talking to and had a deal with another team and then Dagendorf came in pretty late in the summer and was like, Hey, you know, can you, you know, what do you want to do here? Like, are you signed by anyone? Like, do you want to have a team or do you know, would you come to Dagendorf? And the team I was talking to, I actually like signed a contract with them. And then whole summer goes by. I talked to the people there maybe once or twice. Uh, they never announced anything. And I'm like, okay, it's, you know, second, third week of July here, like it's, <laughs> it's time to go. I have no flight. I have no, like, I had no knowledge of like anything really other than like what was in this contract from this other team. And, um, then like a couple days before they came to me and said, Hey, we want to cancel this contract and offer you a tryout till December. And I was like, well, no, I'm not doing that. And then like no one knew I had this other that had signed with this other team because they didn't announce it. They didn't report it to the league, like nothing. So then I do the deal with Degendorf and then Degendorf calls me and says, Hey, this team's saying you signed a contract with them. And I was like, well, I did, but they also told me that they want to cancel it. So I just thought at the time, oh, okay, like that's, you can't have two contracts with, one team and they told me over the phone, Hey, we want to cancel it. You know, I didn't have it in writing. And, you know, then they told the league like, no, this is his contract and whatever. And the, the two teams talked and, um, you know, that then Dagendorf talked to me and said, Hey, like, you know, if you want to come to us, you're going to have to take care of this. And so I talked with the other team and we worked out a buyout and I ended up going uh, to Dagendorf, but just kind of like a really weird, funny kind of situation like I didn't have an agent really at the time or I just was doing it by myself and you know I 
definitely uh, was in over my head there for sure. But I mean, any team would have like Degendorf didn't do anything wrong. Like they didn't know, like any team would have thought I was a free agent. Like this team didn't announce anything. They didn't send it to the league. Like, which leads me to think that they were trying to just get me to sign a trial contract for like four or five months, six months, whatever, and not the original deal. And then obviously they offered me the tryout and I was like, well, what about the other contract? And they were like, Oh, we're, we're unsure. We're unsure. And I'm just like, I'm not coming for a, a tryout. Like that's no. And, um, yeah. So I ended up the, yeah, buying my way out of the contract with the other team. And then, yeah, went to Dagendorf and spent three years there and had a great time. We met and yeah, it was fun. Um, I have a lot of good memories in Dagendorf for sure. Yeah. It's a cool little city, but kind of back to your your point there i have a similar story which is funny it seems to only happen in germany like yeah really nice um i'm not the only one <laughs> yeah you're not the only one like not not the mine was a little different but i kind of same thing i had after i played a year in norway i i really wanted to get to germany and i ended up signing with a dell 2 team mm-hmm. um talked to them everything was good we agreed on like money all that stuff and i they sent me a contract and i signed it and i sent it back and then i didn't hear anything for like two weeks and yeah my agent was like trying to reach out like hey like you know he's got to order gear like obviously being a goalie it takes some time to get the gear going so whatever and then randomly they just messaged back and said and this was like maybe three weeks later three four weeks later so now you're you know kind of middle end of june you're kind of in trouble in terms of like saying no to other deals other deals have passed and the team's like yeah we've changed our mind we don't we don't want you and i'm like well i have a contract and and they're like yeah it doesn't matter we didn't sign it and then that's like (laughs) And then that's just the end of the argument. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it kind of, yeah, that's, that's a weird, weird, weird thing over in Europe sometimes. Yeah. Like I, I was like so shocked by it. I mean, I was like, what is going on here? Like, and I didn't want to really like, and this is where having an agent obviously is like, okay, it, this all would have been avoided completely. Uh, you know, but I'm glad I ended up going to Dagendorf and not the other team. But um, yeah, that's so weird that that also was like, you were on the opposite side though. Like you were the team that was, you know, in my situation, you were the team and in your situation, I was the player, right? Like it's, it's crazy to think like, or maybe, uh, maybe I messed that up, whatever, but yeah, just to like, I never had two, two, one team offer me one contract that they signed and I signed and said, okay, yeah, we're fine. And then literally like a month later be like well we don't want you to we don't want that one anymore it's it's we're gonna cancel it we want you to sign this and i'm like well what happened over the like we didn't even talk for you to change your mind like what the yeah. <laughs> like what and i yeah i mean i didn't have that's crazy i never i thought i was like one of the only ones that's like had ever had that happen to and i'm like wow i feel like such an idiot because i did like i said i didn't really have an agent helping me i was just kind of doing it on my own and you know probably would have helped to have an agent at that point <laughs> yeah that's a maybe a you little, live and learn uh, i guess little little lesson there to the the listeners uh whenever you're going yeah into pro it's probably best to have an agent so they can handle yeah. all that stuff but i'm curious too like when you have going to dagendorf there as you mentioned you have spending three years there even when you would sign there kind of after that uh kind of good start to your career in Germany there with the contract <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like was Dagendorf's plan, like were they communicating with you like, hey, 
you know, we want to get promoted to the Dell two within the next couple of years. Like, was that always their goal? Um, <clears throat> I think so. Yeah. I mean, look, when I first went over there, I was just like, I'm happy to be over here. Like, you know, I've always wanted to experience European hockey. Um, some of the guys that I've trained with back home had played in Europe and in Germany, not in the Oberliga, but second league and stuff. And they always had so many good things to say. And so I was, I wasn't really like aware of the things that I'm aware of now. And that being like, Oh yeah, like next year they want to put a bunch of money in and or, or this sponsor's coming on or we're getting this player and this player. And I was just kind of playing. I didn't, I didn't know any better. I didn't understand the language. I didn't, you know, man, I, I, you know, I didn't really talk to a lot of guys the first few weeks, just cause I didn't know what to say. I was like, I don't know German. I don't know. You know, thankfully we had a lot of guys who spoke great English and, um, and all that stuff that helped me out. And the coach was really good too. He had German Canadian guys. So he spoke both languages really, obviously really well and, and whatnot. But for, I don't recall them specifically being like, yeah, we want to move up. But I do recall like, when I first got there, the coach, he, it was his first year as well. And he was like, yeah, I want to build something. I don't want to just be like a, a middle of the road team every year. Cause Degendorf was like kind of like a middle budget team in this, in the Oberliga at the time. Like they weren't, you know, the highest spending club, but you know, they had, they had good money and could get good, good players. So, um, it wasn't really until like I had re-signed after my first year, I re-signed in like November or like late November. And it wasn't until probably toward the end of that season that I started to hear like, okay, Hey, we're getting this player. We're getting this player. We're getting this player. And I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, like we're making a move here because these guys are like really good players. And yeah. And then everything just kind of fell right into place. My second year, we had a really good season. So yeah, I think, I, I guess I think the goal was to move up. I don't think they thought they were going to do it so quickly though. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, you like, like just talking about like you specifically, like you had two very good years, yeah. uh, in the third league, they were like point wise, like it obviously, uh, you know, was a good fit for you there in Degendorf and, but just talk about that playoff run because like for those listening, like as you said, you guys weren't the highest budget team. And in the in the Oberliga, there's some teams that can pay more than some Dell teams. Like what especially yeah. now, like there's some yeah. teams up there that have a just kind of like an unlimited budget. But um, I mean, you guys had a tremendous playoff run and you know, had some good goaltending mm-hmm. too. Like I know like Cody Brenner was young at that point playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh I mean, yeah, let's talk about that playoff run because it's always cool to say you won a championship and yeah. promoted. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I played with some some good guys. Um, the other import there, Curtis Lineweber, he actually still plays there. Um, I don't know what it was, but literally from, like, day one, him and I just had a connection. I couldn't tell you why or for what reason, but I don't know. We just – and he was a really good passer. And, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you've seen me play. Most – you know, my game is kind of centered around – you know, getting open, creating offense. And I have, you know, my shots, one of the better parts of my game. And, you know, when you play with a guy who's looking to pass quite a bit, you know, typically, um, 
you're going to get some chances. So, um, you know, we worked together really well. And then, um, yeah, we had a guy come in from Straubing actually, like probably a month before playoffs uh, started. His name was Rene Rutke, who played in the DEL for, I don't even know, man, like 15, 18 years or something like that. Like a good, you know, third line, like hard player. And, um, the co- John, the coach, he put, uh, he put him on our line and it was like instant chemistry. Like all three of us just were like, just knew where each other were going to be. And, um, you know, the first series we played Herna and I think this is a testament to like, this was, well, let me back up a couple, couple weeks here. We were battling with Selb and Selb at the time was one of those teams that was like paying guys like really good money. They had really good bonuses and stuff. So, um, you know, they were like the favorite, I would say, like they wanted to move up. We were like, we were just like, yeah, we have a good team. Let's go play. And, you know, if something good happens, something good happens, let's see what we do. Um, and then we ended up beating them like toward the end of the year to get first place in the South to have home ice, which was huge for us later on. But we played Herna in the first round and they didn't score a goal in three games. I think we beat them like two, nothing, three, nothing, and like seven, nothing. Um, so it's kind of a testament as to how good Cody was. Um, and that was like the first time where I think a lot of us were maybe not the first time, but a lot of us were like, okay, that kid's going to be special one day. And it's nice to see him, you know, in the DEL, he's not a, I don't think he's the full-time starter in Schwenningen, but I mean, he's been in the DEL the last three years, four years, rightfully. So, I mean, he's, he's a pretty good young goalie, but um, and then the second round we played Essen and that was kind of a crazy series actually. Cause it was just back and forth. It was like, who's going to win? What team is going to win their away game kind of thing. And, um, you know, for us, obviously it was like longer travel and it got serious when we started going the day before. Um, I think that's when they kind of realized like, Hey, like, we just swept the team like pretty handily. They didn't score a goal. Like let's see what we can do. And so we would go the day before to Essen and, you know, all that stuff. And then we played game five at home against Essen. And I'll never forget this atmosphere in Dagendorf when we came out, like you've seen the stadium, like it's not the biggest stadium, but when it's full, it's like, it's loud and it's, uh, it's pretty like, gives you some chills, I think. And you could feel the nerves in the stadium when we went out for warmups. Like you could feel it. Like people were like, Oh man, we haven't, this is like one of the best teams we've had in recent years, like game five at home. It's like, it's like penalty shootouts. It's, you know, who knows, right? Like you never know what's going to happen. And I think we ended up, we ended up beating them. Obviously. I don't remember the score. I think it was probably like, you know what that that playoff run was interesting because the games that we had to to like win series we somehow like pumped the team we played i think we won like seven nothing like i said against heron i think against s and we won like eight two or six seven two or something i i don't know what it was like but those first two series we just had like a huge 
like blowout in the in the final game but um yeah and then the we kind of got a little lucky because somebody beat rosenheim in that second round i don't remember who it was but um we got a little bit of a break because when we played rosenheim in the season we were we didn't do the best against them but we had a better record against Selb than we did against Rosenheim. So we ended up playing Selb instead of uh, Rosenheim. I think maybe Scorpions beat Rosenheim. I don't know. Somebody beat Rosenheim or I don't know. It doesn't, I can't remember, but uh, yeah. And then we played a, a good series against Selb and I remember, yeah, game four, we went to, uh, went to overtime and, uh, yeah, I scored the game winning, game winning goal in overtime for, to have a hat trick in that game actually. And, uh, still the photographer in Dagendorf has a really great picture of it, uh, of me scoring. It was pretty cool. It was just like a shot from the point and the puck was kind of just like laying there and I just poked it in and it's like a, really cool photo of me celebrating the goalie unfortunately is like flat on his face the defenders got his head up like like this and the refs you know pointing to the goal it's actually a pretty nice photo that'll probably go up in my basement (laughs) one day but uh sorry for all the self self fans and guys listening but um but yeah and then it was just like it was just pandemonium after that because we hadn't we knew basically like all right we're either going to play tilburg or Hanover and at the time Tilburg was kind of like yeah I don't didn't think anybody was going to beat them in five games so but it was also the rule right like with Tilburg they can't move up so technically yeah play, right, if they went right, to the final and you right. played them it meant you guys automatically like your series in a sense like was more just who would be the over league champion but you guys already knew you'd be going up yeah yeah and that was kind of like uh I think it was like a quite a shock for a lot of guys like i don't think anyone at the beginning of the year like obviously everyone's goal is oh you want to win a championship but i think like for us at the beginning of the year i I don't think we could have sat in the locker room and said we're gonna finish in first place at the regular season and we're gonna move up like i don't yeah we had a good team but i don't think like i mean you had rosenheim that just came down from the second lean that had a really good team as well you had Selb who had like a huge budget, you know, they had some like, I mean, Oberliga greats, like not just in the South, like in the entire Oberliga, you know, like Jared Mudrick, Kyle Piorarchuk, you know, Lanny Gare. I mean, some of these guys like they're, you know, they played a long time in that league for that team and had, were really good players. So I don't think anyone was really looking at Degendorf saying, oh yeah, they're going to, get out of the South and play the champion in the North, you know, like, but yeah, it was, um, it was quite the run. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's definitely a a good memory. The final against Tilburg wasn't, (laughs) wasn't the best. I think we, the first game we lost like eight to one or something in Tilburg. (laughs) It was kind of like, all right, regroup here. Let's, uh, you know, um, and then we ended up, we won game two at home and then we lost game three and, and game four, we lost in overtime. Um, but we had some guys, uh, 
battling injuries and we were missing a couple players, but it's that time of year, man. Everyone's playing mm-hmm. hurt. Everyone's going through something. So it sucks not to like win the actual Oberliga championship, but I think for the German teams, if you're playing Tilburg, the goal is, you know, you want to win promotion. It's not necessarily all about the championship, which is a really weird thing to say, I think. But I, I think being promoted means more than winning a championship just to a lot of clubs, I think. But well, that Tilburg team, too, fun. back then, like they they basically had all the <laughs> national players. Right. Like, these are good players. So like they're it's kind of like a weird like for anyone who's not familiar with the Overleague and like that kind of setup, like that, how that team's in that league, it's kind of like a weird setup and it's almost like an all-star team. And that's why for so many years, they were always in the semis or the finals and all yeah. the teams who were competing to go up knew or were hoping in a sense, like, I hope we get them in the finals because at least like it means we're going up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you don't want to exactly. play them in the semis because then you got to win. So Right, right. And at the time too, they like a lot of Overleague teams, <clears throat> at that time only played three lines. Like we played mm-hmm. the entire season with three lines. I mean, w- but we also had three really good lines that could play. And then, you know, we, we had a fourth line of like some younger players that, you know, they would play, but for the most part, we played three lines the entire game. Tilburg was the only team that had four lines that could play like against anyone. It, it didn't matter. Like they could put their fourth line out against your top line and, they'd be fine. So, you know, when you have a whole another set of five players, basically, or four players that can go out and play, like it's, you know, it, it does make a difference. Like they just had the depth that a lot of the German teams didn't because of their situation and having a lot of the national players, those guys needed to play and that's the best place for them to play. So, mm. I mean, outside of, you know, leaving the country, right. Outside of going to, you know, maybe, I don't know, Sweden or France or Finland or Germany, whatever. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they had a lot of really good players on that team. And yeah, I, I yeah. I don't know if anyone would beat them in five games. I don't know if they be a really hard, I think Lansu did it the next year. They beat them in the final, but you know, it's, yeah just it's crazy like it's it's a little bit weird to think like there's a dutch team that's basically like the dutch national team playing in the third league in germany it's a little bit like yeah kind of messes with your mind you're like wait what but yeah that's how it is and then the next year there uh as you mentioned like we you guys get promoted um this is where we meet um i was in there for two weeks with you but just like kind of like it obviously was a tough season for you guys. Um, and it's always what I'll say is it's always tough for the team coming up because oh yeah, when it comes sure. to roster building and construction, like all the good Germans for every league, you know, by January, February, like everyone's off the market. So like right. for the next season, they already got teams. So you guys basically had to, you know, take, I would say maybe the leftovers of some of the Germans who like, you know, more you know high commodities to other teams but then also like have your guys step up and that's always sometimes hard like even this year you can see with rosenheim i think they're in the relegation zone after just winning last year which is always Mm -hmm. a tough the first year i think is about hanging on yeah those teams but um 
I have to say, man, like the funniest thing, like I remember of Degendorf, like we obviously our, our team was whatever and um we played some good teams and if we lost like six one, it was like a win for us. But um yeah. <laughs> yeah. the thing the thing I remember the most, which made me yeah. laugh, was like coming in after practice and like seeing there was like a group of like Germans and they would just be like sitting in the room having like a couple beers after every practice <laughs> every day. And I remember being like, oh, yeah. holy hell, like, yeah. is that how it is yeah. in the Overliga? Like this yeah. is just like freaking man. Uh, yeah. So golf club. yeah, like the year we moved up, like, yeah, a lot changed a lot, a lot changed. Uh, that's for sure. Um, you know, the coach asked a lot of, he had a, a very upfront meeting with every player. Like, you know, I then I think it was, he was basically just flat out asked every player in a, like a end of the season meeting. Do you want to move up? Do you want to play in the second league? What, what do you want to do? And I think if more guys had said I can, or I don't want to, then I don't think they would have moved up, but you know, they, they wanted to, but you're right. It, it's, it's really hard to, move up from the Oberliga to the second league and stay in the league without a big budget. You gotta, you just gotta find a way to survive. But yeah, my first year in Degendorf, I'll never forget this. This uh, actually, I think it was Wiseman. Tyler Wiseman actually told me this cause he had played in Peisenberg, which is in the fourth league before I went to Degendorf. I'm not sure. I don't, I think he did. I can't remember, but he, yeah, he did. I, yeah, and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, like, you know, when you go over there, like, stay after practice a little bit. I'm like, why? Like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Like, what? And he's like, yeah, just stay in the room and have a beer or two. I was like, okay. And I'm like, first couple of days, I'm like waiting around to see like, oh, our guy's going to like stick around and have a beer. Like, what's going on? And like, I remember like one of the first few practices, I was, I stayed out like a little bit longer, just like doing some stuff on the ice and come in and. There's guys, I literally walk, as soon as I walked in, like, the door, a guy's walking from, like, that back room there where the fridge was <laughs> into the locker room with, like, four beers in his hand. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was like, yeah, they waited till they got undressed and showered, and then they just sat there like, no, they were like, <laughs> as soon as they took their jersey off, <laughs> they were getting a beer. But, yeah, those, I mean, I I've never seen it either. I was like, what? what is going on here? But, uh, I gotta say that like when we were in Degendorf, especially that second year, we probably had a cabine fest, which for those of you that aren't sure what a cabine fest is, it's basically like a locker room party. A couple guys get a couple cases of beer and they pay for food for the whole team. And you just get together in a locker room and you have a party and you just, you know, you eat, you drink, you have fun. And you know, wherever the night takes you is where the night takes you. But we probably had one of those like literally every every second week it seemed like so we had a really good um like community in the locker room everyone hung out with everyone you know we had czech guys russian guys german guys canadians americans and i think at one point like everyone was trying to learn a little bit of czech or a little bit of russian and a little bit of you know english and it was just like kind of like a big melting pot, but it just, it just worked. Like mm. everyone just kind of came together. And ironically enough, I think, you know, maybe when you were there, when you came, you might've heard guys complaining like, Oh, there's no beer. There's no beer. Well, that's because like the years before, like that was how we like came together. 
like, like there were times where we have like after practice and we were in the old like the whole team would be in the locker room having a beer it wasn't just like a little group of guys like everyone was in there having one like everyone would stay late for at least one or whatever but yeah when the when we moved up to the second league um <laughs> things were quite different and i think some of the guys didn't enjoy that but you know it, it is what it is well some of them uh, to be fair like when the first year well the only year i guess i should say that when you guys moved up like we were still practicing you guys are still practicing at night and guys right. had, some guys had jobs so like yeah, i can understand yeah. it from from that point but i'll say the two weeks i was there i was lucky enough to to be a part of the halloween party <laughs> oh, yeah. um and i remember this too because like we had played yeah. friday friday sunday we won in Hellbron, which was huge for me because that was my old team then we got absolutely shit kicked 9-1 by Kaim at home yeah I and then that. we had the halloween party yeah. on like monday or tuesday yeah and i remember being like like why am i going to this like i'm on a freaking four game tryout like i'm if i'm shit faced <laughs> and i suck like I'm, but i remember it was so much fun and uh yeah like the club the club was good too like the whatever we were somewhere we went in Dagenorf, i don't even remember is it was yeah. uh, it was a good time um but back just kind of back to you like obviously we talked about this off camera uh last time um you know that you're in the delta you're not putting 60 60 points up so yeah. i believe you said you were you were top 10 in the league and in, in scoring and obviously you know unfortunately dagendorf ends up getting getting relegated there and going back down to the the third league but obviously you know not for lack of trying by you you know you obviously yeah. uh, put up points as i said but you know let's just talk about kind of that uh that summer there because as i mentioned like the next year you end up uh having to kind of wait a bit something i was familiar with like having yeah. to wait uh yeah to to find a job and just kind of to relate to you like the year before dagendorf like when we were together like i had played in garmish and we had lost in the finals and mm -hmm. it was the same thing for me like I was waiting until Dagendorf, whenever that was in November to, to get a job after being the goalie that I just, you know, was three, three wins away from a championship in the Dell two. You know what I mean? So kind of, kind of talk about that summer and how it went and uh, then eventually how you ended up in now. I'm yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll start by saying like, yeah, I, I, you know, I had a, I had a really good year. Um, I think moving up and playing with the guys that I had played with the two years prior obviously helped me. It helps. I think it helped everyone. Um, you know, that year in the, in the second league was kind of like the year I was like, you know what, like, yeah, I can do this. You know, like I talked about, you know, the, the struggles mentally in the coast where I had that were just like, Oh, you're good enough, but we're going to cut you, you know, oh, you're good enough, but we're letting someone else come in. And, you know, that was kind of like a, a valid, a very validating season for me. So I was going into the summer with like really high hopes. I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Like I'm going to get an, you know, sign with, I'd love to stay in Germany. I'm like, I proved I can be a good player in the Dell too. You know, I can go somewhere for more money, you know, start, you know, cause Degendorf had offered me like another contract, but I just, I was like, no, I want to be in the second league. I proved I can do it. Like I'm top 10 in the league in scoring. Like why, why would I stay in the Oberliga? You know? And um, just quickly though, like the, I would play downs is like the worst hockey you want to play. Like, I don't like, if I never had to play play downs again, I would be super happy, but uh, it's, it's the most stressful, like full pressure hockey. I think anyone could play, but 
It's more stressful um, than playing the finals. Like I've I, I, I've played both. I played. We beat Rosenheim out, and then they went and lost to Krimich out the year before when they got relegated. The year that you were talking about before. Yeah. And I've played in the finals, and relegation oh. is more is twenty times more stressful than playing for the freaking finals. Because if you lose in the finals, it's like, ah, oh, whatever. Like we tried, and it sucks, yeah. but like you're still in the league. Where playdowns, <laughs> yeah. it's like you have all these fans that are going to be so mad at you if you guys yeah. get relegated. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, we can talk about that later if you wanted to but i mean we lost four games in overtime to byroid in the first series we got swept all four games we lost in overtime i mean it was tough and then we lost in seven games to freiburg and it was just like you know for me it didn't it didn't matter you know i would have had to had three points a game for people to be happy you know which is wild because the year before you're sitting there and you're partying celebrating promotion and then a year later, the same people you were celebrating with are, you know, running you out of town. Like, it's all your fault. And, you know, oh, you need to do this. You should have done that. And, you know, and it's like, well, I'm not, I'm one player. Like, you know, you don't play one on five, you know, like it's not just one player certainly doesn't take the fall for, you know, two series of, of games. But anyway. I go so into the summer, yeah. Like I remember, like when I left Dagendorf, we had like you know the the Abschluss fire and everything, and it was a little bit awkward because you know we got relegated and you know it wasn't quite as fun as the year before. But you know, a lot of people were coming up asking me like, "Hey, I heard you're going to Landsuit. How could you do this?" Or "Hey, I heard you're signing with Hellbrunn. And you know, "Hey, I heard Frankfurt wants you. And are you going to Frankfurt?" And and I'm like, "What?" And this ties it back to like my first year. Like I've never been a guy who's like really in tuned with like everything that goes on. Like even today, like even now, like guys are telling me stuff and I'm like, where did you hear this from? Like how, who told you this? Like, how do you know this? Like, I mean, I, of course I talk to people and friends, but I don't really talk. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. know like all that stuff, but yeah, a lot of people are coming up to me saying, you know, Hey, how could you, you know, how could you leave us and go to land suit and all this? And I just told them, I was like, where I'm like, who did you hear this from? Like, I'm like, I like, what? I was like, so, so surprised. And so then I was kind of like, all right, like maybe something, there's something to this. Like maybe I should call my agent and be like, Hey, uh, have these teams reached out to you? Cause I just had like five or six fans tell me like the same thing. And, um, yeah. So anyway, pretty early in the summer we got a really good offer from a team in Denmark in the Danish league and I was like oh okay like yeah sure like I'm into it you know what's up and you know and then all of a sudden they they call call back and say oh yeah we're not interested uh we we did our homework with some German some German teams and we spoke to some German coaches and and I remember this verbatim I have the email still because it really really pissed me off they said oh he's not a team player and I was like, excuse me? Like, I couldn't believe that that was the feedback they got. And, um, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here, but um, there's a couple people that this coach at the time in Denmark had played with and was friends with. I'm I'm thinking they're obviously friends with them because I'm thinking they they obviously spoke and one was the coach GM from the first team 
that I was supposed to go to in Germany when I first came over was the GM from that club. And then the other was somebody who was working with Degendorf at the time. And I remember having a call like a couple weeks later just for with him saying, Hey, you know, this is like our final offer. Like, what do you want to do? And I remember I told him, I said, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird. Like I had some talks with a team in Denmark. Like he said, they were going to call you. And I was like, we just haven't heard back. So I'm just curious, like, did he call you? Like what's going on? And the first words out of his mouth were, well, I didn't sewer you. And I'm like, I, I didn't say that you did. I'm just asking if he called you to talk about me, like, cause we haven't heard back. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't say anything. And I was like, I didn't say that you did. I'm just asking if he called you to talk and see what you like, if they, and he just, yeah. So that was kind of like a, a real slap in the face for me because the guy who was representing me at the time, he knew me probably better than anyone in German hockey. And he was also like, what do you, what are you talking about? I've been around this guy for three, three full years. Like this is not his case. Like that's not him at all. Like, I don't know who you talk to and I don't know. The team didn't want to hear it anymore. So we, we moved on and it is what it is. And yeah. And then it just was like really interesting. Uh, I know I talked, he talked with vice foster a little bit and, the feedback there was like, oh, Degendorf was so bad. We don't know if he can actually play in a system. I'm like, what Like, what are these guys like? I just, the, the thought process for the teams was just really interesting for me because I was like, yeah, okay, we were a bad team. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we didn't have good results. We didn't have a, like, we had good good guys, good players, but we just weren't a good team on the ice together but they were acting as if, Oh, it was just freestyle. You just went out and played. And I'm like, well, no, we clearly had like a structure things we wanted to do for check D zone. It was just that we maybe didn't have the quality of player that the teams like castle and Frankfurt and, you know, Dresden and whatever. Now these other like bigger clubs had to, read and react and see situations quick enough. I mean, we had guys that had never played anything outside the Dober league of playing in the second league, like a regular shift. So like, that's a fairly big step for some of those guys. And yeah, that was just kind of like the feedback we had gotten. Like a lot of teams just weren't interested because all oh, Degendorf was so bad. We don't know. Can he play in a system? Like, and I'm like, I just remember being like, what does that even mean? Like, do these teams think like we had no system in Degendorf? Like I just, I didn't really get it. And yeah, we had been all over we looked all over. Uh, we started, you know, at first it was just the Dell two. And then, um, you know, we, well, obviously like Denmark Dell two were kind of like the two places that were kind of people say they're rather interchangeable. I think the Danish league might be a little bit better, but whatever it's similar. And um yeah i mean we went quite a while and then i think in early october i got a call on like a i don't know it was probably like two or three in the morning german time and he was like hey 
you know, Nauheim's looking for a guy. They really want you. And I told him, I was like, all right, sweet. Like I can leave tomorrow. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Like, let me get back to you. Like I need to talk with them a little bit more. And I was like, okay. And he told me it would be a, like an eight week tryout. One of their imports was injured. He had like a pretty serious like hamstring injury. So they needed to fill in until Christmas. I said, I was like, yeah, like I'll take it. Like that's a good chance for sure. I'll go. And I remember like my mom came home from work and at the time, well, my wife, she lived in, well, well, her family's from Philadelphia. So we would always fly from Philadelphia. It's just a lot easier. Um, so I remember I drove through the night from Cleveland to Philly to get to Philly in the morning to leave like a day and a half later. And yeah, that's how we, how we ended up in, in Nauheim for eight weeks. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that experience. That was a, that was a fun place. A lot of good players there, met some nice guys and, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was good. And then after that, um, you know, over the next couple of years there, like kind of what we talked about, like before, you know, you end up being like, you know, you obviously proved you were, you were good enough to play in the Dell two. And as you mentioned, like for whatever reason, there was some hesitation by, by teams. And, you know, sometimes that happens in European hockey. Like yeah, that's the only yeah. way to, to really say it. Like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's fair, but, uh, you know, people get their assumptions and like what you mentioned before, just with the Dagendorf thing. I know from coaching after in the Dell 2, we had that hesitation about guys who played in Weissfosser because the travel was so far that we knew like these guys would put up a lot of points at home because teams would be, you know, after mm-hmm. being on the bus for 10 hours and, you know, like yeah. it's, That's so that point. was, yeah, right. that was like a, I don't know what, whatever you want to call it, like a, a stereotype that some teams really believed in for like taking guys from Weissfosser. We'll be careful because, you know, a lot of their points came at home and you know, the travel, blah, blah, true or not, it doesn't matter. But, um, after that you end up, you know, spending the next two and a half years there, you know, you end up going to Dewsbury, you end up going to Rosenheim, Hanover. So teams that, you know, especially then, like we mentioned the Rosenheim, the Hanover Indians, like these are teams who, you know, want to move up. So obviously you were, uh, a pretty high target in terms of an import. So just kind of talk about those seasons there. And, uh, you know, obviously every year, as I mentioned, you guys were trying to trying to move up. And I know, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, there in Duisburg and also in, uh, in Rosenheim, there was also kind of the COVID year. So that also yeah, played a part yeah, of everything interesting. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Nauheim was great. Um, but I think it kind of validated maybe what some of the teams had said about me. Cause I, I think I played like 15 or 16 games and I only had like eight or seven or eight points or something, five points. And there's, yeah. Um, you know, so maybe that validated them a little bit. I don't know, but it, you know, it's, it is what it is. I'm, I, I could sleep at night knowing like I achieved like a big mental hurdle for me being able to play in a higher league when I had been told constantly when I came out of college that, Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, so for me, it was, it was tough, but, um, yeah, I actually got to play in that outdoor game against Frankfurt. Uh, that was kind of like the last game for me. So I was kind of lucky that I was able to play because some other guys had gotten hurt. And when I was in Nauheim, I think there was like six imports or something. So it was kind of crazy. Like, you know, not all of us could stay. And, um, 
you know, I was working on a deal to go somewhere else and they wanted me to stay until January or till, yeah, till like, a, like another month. And then, you know, my agent was like, well, if you stay another month, then like, you're really up against it. If they don't want you, then like, you might have to go home because the deadlines and everything. And I was like, oh, oh, like I didn't really think about that. And so I ended up going to Duisburg. Um, a couple of guys I played with before were there. They kind of were saying, hey, you know, come here. It's fun. It's whatever. And Duisburg had a good team on paper, but, um, you know, was coached by two German hockey legends that uh, I don't know if they really wanted to change their ways or, or what, but no, Duisburg was fun. Um, it was my first experience in like the Oberliga North. Uh, so yeah, but it was really short. I mean, I only played, I think, yeah, from Christmas till March basically. Um, and then that yeah, COVID hit and I remember being in the locker room and COVID hit, we had this like, trainer he's still there his name they call him goonie uh he's probably pretty famous amongst guys in the overliga north i think everybody knows him but he was i think he turned like 80 when i was there and he has his wife is from thailand and i don't know how they got married i don't know how they met i i don't know that might be a completely different story not for this podcast but maybe another one and uh he went to thailand like a week before COVID hit over in in China, I guess, and, or I don't, wherever it came from, I don't know, you know, whoever, what I, but, um, and then he came back like a couple weeks later and ever, and then that's when like, Oh, that was okay. COVID was out, out in Asia and everything. And this guy's like 80, just turned 80. Like talk about like someone who's like high risk, whatever. And everyone's like looking around, like, are you okay? Like, did you get like, you know, like nobody knew where it was at the time. Right. And, um, then we had a kid get sick on the bus, like, or after a bus trip and everyone was like, Oh my God, it's COVID. It's COVID. And I, you know, he didn't have COVID obviously, but it was really weird there. Cause I remember sitting in the locker room, we played pre-playoffs and I remember sitting in the locker room before like the third playoff game at home. And this was when like earlier that day, the Dell canceled the season, the second league canceled the season. And then it was like, what's going to happen in the Overliga? Like guys were like, nobody knew what was going to happen. Everyone was like, well, should we get dressed? Like, what, like what's going on? Like, so I remember it was like maybe an hour before the game coach comes in and says like, we're playing, like finish getting dressed. And so guys were like waiting around to see like what was going to happen. And then, you know, we go out, we lost in overtime and the next day, Overliga canceled. We're like, okay, like, did you just wait to play our game? Like, <laughs> you kind of just canceled it last night? Like, but I mean, it didn't really, like, it didn't matter for us because we lost. So who cares, right? And then it was just like a scramble to get home. But um, yeah, the next year I went to Rosenheim. Um, was really unsure if they were going to even have a season, right? Like, I think a lot of guys were, quite um you know scared maybe that there would be a season i don't think a lot of guys especially north americans really wanted to travel overseas again and you know i know there was a lot of guys who didn't and um you know once all the the funding came in and the Oberliga got included in like the pro sport thing from like the U european union and everything 
um, you know, they decided they were going to have a season. So, uh, went to Rosenheim, really loved it, but man, the, the pressure there is, is high constantly. Um, you know, they want to move up and they did. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pressure cooker for sure. Um, you know, I enjoyed my time there. It would have been fun to play in front of the fans there. Cause I know they have some really great fans and that rink is when it's full, it's, it's really a, a fun place to play. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately I, I didn't get another contract there and, um, you know, and then I was able to sign pretty quick with, uh, Hanover Indians after the season. I think I signed like maybe middle of May end of May with the Hanover Indians, which was nice. Um, I had talked with Lenny Socio, the coach at the time, uh, a couple of years before he had asked me if I was interested in coming and, um, you know, I, I had already had a contract in, in Degendorf and, you know, I wasn't going to make the mistake again of signing two contracts, but, uh, um, yeah, I actually really, I didn't really know a lot about Hanover. I didn't know how kind of rich the history was, um, in Hanover, um, until I got there and learned more about the club and the city and everything. But, um, yeah, really, really great place to play. I think, uh, nice city. The, uh, uh, the fans are really good there. Um, you know, they're, they're a little bit more fair, I think in, in some respects. Um, but yeah, always a full crowd, which was awesome. Um, especially in the playoffs, we had a really deep playoff run there, uh, in, in Hanover, we lost, ended up losing game five in the semifinals to Memmingham. But yeah, I mean, we probably had four, 4,500 4, for almost every, every home game, which was, it was really cool. And then, you know, playing the Hanover derbies was like a whole nother animal too. I mean, we didn't win any of them, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, that place was, I mean, probably if they could fit, you know, 5,000 more people in there, they for sure would, you know, it's, yeah. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, had a lot of good experiences, um, in those three years. Um, you know, personally, we had some, some unfortunate things personally with like my family happen in Hanover that probably tainted our time there and, you know, have kind of made things away from hockey a little bit, you know, a lot more difficult, but, um, you know, unfortunately that's, that's life. And, uh, you know, you have to deal with them and, uh, you know, you have to get through it as best you can, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough sometimes, um, you know, going to teams that have high aspirations to move up. Um, the pressure is a little bit higher. So, you know, if, if, you know, one year you have, you know, a lot of points and then the next year you don't quite have as many points, you know, teams can be like, well, well, what the hell? And it's like, well, it's a, it's a completely different situation. It's different players. It's different city. It's, it's a whole, you know, it's, you can't just, copy paste copy paste copy paste it, mm-hmm. unfortunately it doesn't work like that if it did you know you'd probably be playing in a different league but you know it is what it is that's the that's the thing especially with the over league i find because you know you have whatever it is two or three imports per team yeah and those those teams that you said have high aspirations have goals of moving up you know they give you that chance if you don't do it you know the next year you know, we'll get somebody else who can do it. Um, my, one of my good buddies played in the other Hanover, um, the season after you. So last season, yeah. 
and it's same thing. Like they had high aspirations. He put up points and then between the three imports, they were just like, yep, you're the odd man out this year. We're going to bring the other two back. And it's just, that's just kind of the, yeah, the bullshit or the politics. I would say they all yeah. feel that they, yeah. that it must be the imports fault. It's not the, right. right. It's not and the other players. I, I kind of take it back to when I, when we moved up, when I played in Degendorf because yeah. Okay. Like, Curtis and I, we had good years, but we also had German guys that had really good seasons too. And, you know, I think now with the three import rule in the Overliga, I don't know if it's going to stay three imports or I don't know. I feel like they change it like every second or every year, every second year or something. But I think now more than ever, like the German guys kind of have a stranglehold on the, on the market, which is how it should be. In my opinion, like if you're a good German player, you should be able to go and get what you want from a first league or a second league or a third league team. I mean, obviously given your ability, like, you know, but you know, there's a, there's a, I think there's this misconception that maybe teams or maybe not teams, but fans have that we're like, Oh, well, this guy played in here and was drafted in, you know, 2012. He must be good. But then they don't deliver. Do you know what I mean? So, in my opinion, it's kind of like the imports kind of always cancel each other out. Like, yes, some imports might be a little bit better than others. But at the end of the day, I think what really takes your team to the next level is your German players because that's the majority of your team. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, okay, there's teams that have like the dual citizenship players as well. But since my second year in Degendorf, I think Rosenheim was a good example of it as well. Like we had really good German players, but we just couldn't get over the hunt. Like Selb just had a really good year that year. They were like, you know, they were hard to score against for whatever. They were really good defensively and could score. So you know, and they just had a good year. I mean, it just happens. Like it's not because you're a bad player. You had bad, a bad team or sometimes people just have a better season. Like it just is what it is. And I think some fans or teams, like they don't want to accept that because of what they pay the player or maybe their resume, but it kind of, in a way feels the makes the player feel like a piece of crap because it's like, Oh, well you didn't do the job. It's like, well, I'm one player. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the entire team. So, you know, I do think like in the Oberliga, the German guys are very important for sure. Like, I think they, they, they make up for a lot or they, they, they make up a lot of your team and they, and they, you know, you need them to be a big part of your team if you want to win. And, Cause you look at a team like, like Hanover Scorpions, like, yeah, they have they've always the last three years, they've had like some of the best imports in the league, but they're still in the third league. You know, they also have good, they also have good German players too, but you can't just buy your way with these top players and you have to be a team too, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to build a team, you know, but, that's a great point though, because when I look at a team like the Hanover Scorpions, they've had guys there for years and there's some guys on that team that I, in terms of like maybe character or what they do outside the rink would be question marks. And I think they're just comfortable there because they know they're yeah. German. 
they're going right. to get their money. They're important. And if, if, if they're not going to get in Hanover, then Viden's going to give it to them because that's right, the right. perception. The Oberliga is, you know, the, the more, the more the player costs, that must mean he's better. And yeah, yeah um, exactly. You even saw it with Sal, really. You brought up Sal, obviously that year that they won um, the next year is when I went there and they had an Oberliga team and yeah, yeah. It right. took them a while to get going. And again, like even the second year when we had, a little we had more germans you know that had come from the del two like we had imports so at a point per game and like management was like yeah well you should be doing better and i, and I was like that's where my head's like kind of like there's four imports in the del two like if you think that four imports are going to carry your full team and make up for your your germans yeah, maybe not yeah. being as high as other teams germans like that's yeah. a misconception yeah, yeah. Um, but that's I, another we we, we got a three hour conversation. Yeah, about it is, uh, it is, it is. But it plays with your mind though too. It really does as a player because you know everyone's looking at. And yeah, I understand. Like you know, you typically are higher paid. They want you to make the difference, but you need help. You can't do everything by yourself. And you know, maybe in the DEL, you you expect more from those guys because there's more of them. Okay, fine. But the leagues where you don't have as many imports, you, you need those you need help from the German players for sure. And there's a lot of good ones. There really are, but you know, there's, there's only so many and you know, I don't blame the guys. If the team's going to offer me five, 6,000 a month, why would I go to a team that's going to offer me, you know, 4,000 a month? Of course yeah. I'm going to go to the team that offers me six. Like why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't blame those guys. I really don't, but you're right. I mean, guys probably do get comfortable and you know, but as you said, it's 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 a team sport, and that's yeah, why hundred percent. You know, it goes back to you need to be together as a team, both you know on the ice and the room, everything. And yeah, um, yeah as you said with Degendorf, yeah. like start of the year, I doubt anyone would have said you guys were going to win. Yeah, and you just yeah. what maybe the camaraderie was a big reason too, and just yeah, like chemistry I mean, together. I, I, like I said before, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure if the goal was hey our goal is to move up this year. I think the goal was to move up. Hey, let's try to move up within the next like year or three years. I think it surprised them <clears throat> surprised, you know, the people in the club and the man, like, you know, we had a good team. I think they just were, I just didn't think they thought it was going to happen that quick, which I mean, that's a great thing. That's a good problem to have, I mm -hmm. suppose. But I'm telling you now, man, like that year we had so much fun as a team away from hockey, like we, like, you know, you'd come down, like we travel on the, for the playoffs, come down to breakfast. Everyone's, you know, kind of everyone's sitting together. Everyone's talking. Didn't matter if you were a young player, an old player, like we had a really good group uh, for sure. And, you know, as, as much as I don't want to admit it, but I will as, you know, the partying for lack of a better term or the beer in the locker room made a big, made a difference. Like I, it's hard to sit here and say like, Oh yeah, drinking beers in the locker room makes a difference. But I think for some reason on, on our team that year, it made a difference. And I guess maybe it was just the, the beers that just brought the guys together to, to sit together, to talk, get to know each other and become a team off the ice, you know, without, you know, without doing all the, you know, the team building and the, the, you know, the, the challenges and all the stuff that, you know, coaches want to do, you know, it was just, we just sat there and, and 
genuinely enjoyed being around each other and it it plays a role for sure for sure no 100 100 a lot of other guys i've talked to like even the guys in sub that had played and won they said the same thing like we had yeah. cabina fests and back then too for them it was also covid so that was the only thing to do like they couldn't right. yeah, go do anything else yeah. so it was kind of yeah, that camaraderie but sitting at home all day yeah exactly but um yeah after your time in hanover there you end up going to the Alps League there in Italy. You're not playing with a buddy of mine, Colin Furlong. He's been on oh, his yeah. uh, okay. been on his podcast, and uh, oh, nice. probably going to butcher this name, but Gardena, yeah, Gardena, yeah, Gardena, yeah. But Gerdina, uh, yeah. yeah, talk about talk about living in Italy, man, because obviously oh, it's uh, it's a postcard. It oh man, it really is. Um, another like weird situation, kind of. So I thought I was I was gonna you know didn't want to go back to Hanover just because of not what happened just what happened with our family there we we had some some really hard times as a family there and we just we didn't we needed to leave um or we needed to go somewhere else and i didn't get another offer from hanover so it's okay fine um and then yeah i was just kind of like waiting around a little bit and uh ended up going to gardena uh toward the end end of september and I remember going to our apartment with uh, one of the uh, one of the other imports there, Brad McGowan, who he's played there for the last, I think, four or five years. Um, he picked us up at the uh, the bus station, and um, I remember driving, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, like it's pretty nice." And he's like, "Oh yeah, like wait till you get to like the village." I'm like, "Wait," he's like, "Yeah, just wait till you get to the village." I was like, "Okay." So we get up to like the the village, like where our apartment is, and he's like, "Yeah, this is your house." He's like, "Yeah, I live like I don't know, two two hundred meters over there, like literally, like he I lived at the back of the driveway, he lived at like toward the front." And I get out of the car and I look, and I'm just like, <laughs> "Like this is where I'm about to live." I mean, it was insane. Just like it's a post, like I can't even describe it. It's a postcard. It literally is a postcard. Like, I mean, mountains just sun all the time like it's beautiful it's beautiful there um i didn't know this but some of the best skiing in the world apparently a lot of um rich people i guess go to this place or this these little so gardena is made up of like three little towns selva santa cristina and ortize we lived in santa cristina it's like so kind of like picture like a staircase like Ortiz is down here. Santa Cristina is a little further up. Selva is a little further up, up the mountain kind of thing. And the rink was in Selva. And I remember like going to the rink for the first time. And I just stood there at the entrance. And like, I was like, I got to take a video of this. Like, this is like, sun was setting. It looked like, I mean, <laughs> looked like a painting, like something that wasn't real. Um, yeah, just a really like unbelievable place to live. Like you couldn't wake up mad. Like you couldn't be mad. You're just like, look like, and like my wife and I, we're not really like religious, but we're like kind of spiritual and, you know, we kind of believe in like, you know, the moon and you know, the, how that affects you and all that other stuff. And it's probably a little weird, but you know, whatever, um, you know, being there and being close to nature and being able to have a hike or a lift or, you know, whatever you wanted to do just right outside your door basically you know you take a ski lift up to a mountain and you go for a little hike 
out being out in nature it was it was incredible incredible for us um yeah i I could i could talk all day about it it's if you haven't gone go like it's i yeah it's it's worth it for sure and might be a little expensive but man it's it's so nice so nice it definitely makes the like living abroad um experience better like I my first year pro I first two years pro sorry I, I lived in in France and we, I lived in the French Alps so kind of the same thing like oh, ski yeah. town yeah for sure uh, more Zian like you like I remember showing up to the yeah. rink the, the first day and there's just like Probably mountains exact behind same. it yeah. And, yeah um big party town in the winter like all the people from England would come there and ski kind of like what oh, you yeah. mentioned so yeah yeah you know it's hard to have bad days there but uh did I, did you have uh sorry to cut you off did you have like like weeks where there was like okay, this month or these few weeks, there's a lot of British people. Then this week, there's a lot of Dutch people. Then this week, there's a lot of like Scandinavian people. Did you guys have that in France or no? We had just like uh, like English people. So like literally from August until the week before Christmas, like our town was dead. Like there was yeah. nothing going on. Okay. And then as soon as Christmas hit, like for the rest of the year, it was like, a massive like 40,000 people were there versus like 3,000 before yeah. like it's yeah. you know everybody skiing every day partying getting hammered going to the local club so like for our games too like everyone's like shit face like it was like a different atmosphere yeah and it made man. it it made it fun playing and um yeah like just a cool experience like my parents visit a couple times have tons of photos like it was a yeah it was a postcard man and that's what I tell a lot of people like it doesn't matter what like everyone wants to play in the highest league possible like that's obviously everyone's goal but if you can also like go places like Morzine was a a lower budget team they were in the first league when i played now they've dropped down but like i remember we would travel to teams who like lived in big cities and it was almost like oh like here we are versus like when we'd come home or go to like another team that's in the mountains it was like something cool and different because yeah. like us as yeah. north americans we're so used to the, the, the big city cities teams. the north yeah. american style yeah. so yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Gardena was the same. Like until like December first, it was like a ghost town. It was just the locals. And once December first or that first week of December hit, when the when the slopes and the lifts opened, it was packed until Easter basically. But it was funny because there was always like a couple weeks where there was like, oh yeah, now there's more like British people here. Now there's more like Scandinavian people here. It was like kind of coincided with all like the the, the holidays in the mm-hmm. different countries in a way. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It just is like, and our attendance was similar to yours. Like days where there was, you know, when we had home games where, you know, it the town was busier because there was more tourists, we'd have a bigger crowd. And then there were games where like, you know, we'd only have like 200 people there because no one was there and but that was just like the the influx of tourists versus you know the ebb and flow of when they come and when they go kind of thing and but yeah you're absolutely right like there's no real hockey around the areas in the u.s and canada where there's like mountains like that i mean maybe besides like the av like colorado avalanche but there's only like a couple teams. I mean, there's entire leagues over here that play, you know, mm-hmm. in those leagues or in those areas. And yeah, it's, it's insane. Like it's pretty cool to like wake up and you just look out and there's, Oh, there's a sick mountain with 
Just go have a co- coffee on your balcony to stare. Yeah, at I mean, I, I was Lux. never like a big coffee person, and then I just we we went to Italy, and I remember I was like, yeah, like I'll have a coffee. And when you order coffee there, it's it's espresso, right? So I was like, yeah, all right. And now I'm kind of like a little bit into the coffee. I'd never had coffee before, really. Like I might have had like one or two in my life before last year, and now I'm, my wife's kind of happy because she's a big big coffee girl like two three a day kind of guy kind of girl and uh i almost said guy but yeah um yeah she's not a guy believe me um <laughs> but uh yeah it's just like I mean, there were days where we would just walk up like we would just walk up the the like i don't want to call it a mountain because it wasn't a mountain it was like a steep hill and there was like a little cafe up there we would just walk up and just sit there and just have a coffee i mean Gardena will always be like a really special place for us. We had our first baby there. Well, in Brixton, which is like 20, 30 minutes from, from Gardena. That's where the, the hospital was. But so, I mean, that place will always be like a special memory uh, because of that. And obviously like living there and all that stuff. And yeah, I met a lot of good people there too. So. Not a bad place to live too, as you mentioned. Um, no, not at all. So, so now you're uh, you're in Leipzig, and uh, I only got two more, two more, well, two, three more questions for you because obviously you've been very generous with your time um, over yes. the past two weeks, I should <laughs> no say, because it's been no been a couple episodes here. But um, yeah. you know, obviously, as I mentioned, you're in you're in Leipzig now. Like, how like how long would you would you say you plan to to play for? Like, do you have a a timeline you just kind of take in year by year and then also like have you thought about life after like what you'd want to do yeah this is a great question um i think this is the biggest hurdle that guys getting toward the end of their career have um how much how much longer you want to play and what are you going to do after i i think a lot of guys for me personally i you know i'd like to play you know two three more years uh but if something comes up outside of hockey that's worth my time and worth worth exploring then i think it's something that you need to take serious because you know you can only play for so long and you can only be effective for so long right like you can't you can't just say i want to play until i can't walk but like you also have to perform too right so like if your body or your mind is not where it needs to be to play then you can't play so for me personally i mean I'd like to play a couple more years for sure, whether it's three or two or I don't know. I don't have an exact answer. Um, I'd definitely like to play at least probably two or three more for sure. But And then in terms of after hockey, I haven't really looked into it too much. Um, I used to work at, well, I still kind of do every now and then. uh, uh, I caddy at a golf course by my house. in Cleveland. I've been doing that since I was in like eighth grade. So I've built up a lot of connections there. Um, probably with like, I mean, a lot of people, but closely with probably six or seven guys and their families and stuff that, you know, they're in, you know, they're pretty high up in the, in their companies and, or are retired now and maybe, you know, still have connections. So I've had a couple meetings with some of those guys that are in, you know, they work for big banks or, you know, I had a degree in finance from Kinesia. So ideally, yeah, it would be nice to get into finance because that's what I went to school for. But 
if it doesn't work out in finance, then okay, fine. There's plenty of other ways to, you know, make good money and support a family. Right. But, um, I think it's important to start looking while you're playing. So you have an idea of what you want to do. I mean, I also, you know, coaching is also, you know, a very easy transition for players. Um, you know, I, I would, I would definitely think about coaching. Um, but just because you're looking doesn't mean that you're going to stop playing. You know, I think some guys, if, if they start looking, that means like the end is near and they don't want to like maybe face that or see that at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that the end is near. That just means that you're planning the next stage of your life, just like you plan for the next season of your life. You know what I mean? Like, you start talking about next year around this time of the season anyway. So like, what if you want to change teams? Are you just going to like check out from the team you're on because you want to change teams? No, you're going to look into it. I mean, yeah, okay. You have an agent that does a lot of the work for you, but having a meeting or setting up a meeting or emailing or talking with someone in a field that you want to be in doesn't mean that you're, you're, you have to stop right there at that moment or like at the end of this season, it just, you're just putting the feeler out, seeing what they want, seeing what works for you. Cause you might stop playing and be like, all right, I want to get into this for sure. And then you go to get into it and it's nothing like what you thought. So there's no harm in looking, there's no harm in seeing what's out there, you know, I should do more of it because I certainly don't really do any of it. I should take my own advice here, but, um, you know, there's not, you know, like I said, like it's no different than figuring out where you want to play next season. It's the same concept. It's just a different job and a different profession. So true, man. Like so many athletes, I won't even just say hockey players. I'll say athletes have that fear of, you know, what comes after and that, like you mentioned, like if they're looking around, maybe have their like, you know, toe outside the the water there, like dipping in another pool, like they feel that all oh, that means like I'm, I'm done. I'm not as focused on my sport anymore, blah, blah, blah which isn't true. Yeah. It's good. It's good to just be prepared. And, you know, I tell everyone this though, like if you have the ability to keep playing, like just play, enjoy it. Like obviously, you know, you're a father now, like your wife is with you and she, she seems to be enjoying the journey. So like, that's obviously a, yeah, also yeah. another decision. Like sometimes right. it's family reasons why you stop and yeah. get a real job, like, which is totally understandable. But you know, you guys will look back on this journey 20 years from now and be like, Hey, we lived in all these places. We saw these countries, we did this. And, um, you know, you can say like kind of at the same time, like, you know, I went out on my own terms. Like I, right. I did a, I played a sport I love for as long as I wanted. And yeah. And I, I think that's another big thing too, is no one wants to be forced out of the game, whether it's, you know, not getting a contract or injury or you, you want to go out on your own terms. And, um, you know, I think maybe some, some guys shy away from that just because they think looking for a job is them being pushed out, not, you know, but it's not, you're just, you're just planning for the next stages of your career, but I mean, yeah, for us, like, I think it gets a lot harder when your kids get older, you know, there's a lot more, you know, when you have a, when you start having kids, there's a lot more on the line, you know, it's, 
it's not so easy to just pick your stuff up and pack up and go to another town, you know, like you have a kid. Now you got to think about, all right, schools or doctors or health insurance, or, you know, there's a lot of other things that you have to start thinking about that shouldn't scare you at all to, you know, to, you know, to do this while you have kids. There's plenty of people that do it. That's not the, that's not the case. There's just, there's just more lives at stake. There's more, there's more people to think about than just you and your partner or whatever. Right. So, you know, we look back and we think, you know, Hey, this is amazing for us. Like our daughter was born in, you know, Brixen, Italy, like Bressanone, Italy. Like, are we going to try to take her back there when she's older and knows? Yeah, for sure. We'll probably try to like, be like, look, like this is where you were born. Like, this is where we lived. Like, you know, so you have these experiences that you can share with your kids and your families one day as well. So even though you might be moving on to a different path, that, that old path is still there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's still going to be a large part of your life because, you know, if your kids aren't old enough, you want to, you want to show them, you want to share your experience or like, you know, you want to show them, Hey, you know, you were only six months old, but you were here, you know, or this is where you were born. You know, it's kind of like something you, you want to share too with your family one day as well. It's not just, you know, about you and your partner. It's also like your kids too, right? Like my wife has a lot of friends that have kids that are in school. I mean, I have some friends with kids that are in school and I'm like, man, imagine like signing in like December or like late in the year and you have kids that need to be in school or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. just a headache, right? Like, you know, but those guys that are playing, they're good players and there's no reason for them not to stop playing it's just you know don't be afraid to keep doing it just because you have kids that that shouldn't stop you from playing it's just you know you have to you just have to plan a little bit more and you know that can be harder for uh excuse me can be harder for some people but yeah i mean it's just it's it's fun though. Like when you have kids, it's like you get to share it with someone else who's, you know, your wife or your partner's always been there for however long you've been playing, right? Or most of your playing career. So to be able to share it with your kids is, you know, kind of a fun little feather in the cap, I would say, as a parent, you know. I don't know. I feel like you become a parent, and you get a little soft, you know, your life changes a little bit and priorities but, change, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's still so like, you you know, I still have the same passion that I had, you know, my first for my first full pro season, you know, it's still, the fire still burns deep and, um, you know, but it's, I think it's even maybe a little bit more because you want to have those memories, you know, you win a game and go to the fans and do the, you know, the, right. And all that stuff and get to carry your kid around and, I mean, that's kind of cool. Like there's to me, I don't know. Other people, they might not think it's that cool, but for me, that's a, that's a cool experience to have to show her one day or maybe bring her back to a team if they're still around and do a trip and catch a game or something at a old club or I don't know, whatever it may be, but could be a fun, it's fun. You just got to have fun, you know? No, it sounds like a, an awesome awesome idea and uh yeah, yeah. I know what you mean with yeah. the 
the kind of thing with the fans at the end of the game with kids. It seems like such a cool moment. Um, last one for you here. Um, right. before we before we shut this one down, um, I always like to ask the guests this when they're on. What is one piece of advice or multiple piece of advice if you have it that you would give your younger self? So if you're speaking to Kyle Gibbons back when he was 16, 17 years old, what are multiple pieces of advice you'd give him and maybe also the younger generation listening? So people in kind of similar situations. Yeah, uh, this is good. So for myself, I would definitely say um, get better at defense. <laughs> <laughs> my, Play better you know, in that zone. Yeah, you'd be better in that end. But uh no, I mean it, I mean, yeah, obviously a little bit of that. But I mean also for myself too, like I would I would say like just don't overthink it. Just play. I still I still struggle with it now. Like you, you get in your head, everyone does, or you know, you're not getting the results you want. It's hard to to you know not be in your head, but you know, I would tell myself, hey, focus on little things like focus on your next shift, focus on your next game, focus on your next practice, have a good next shift, have a good next game, have a good next practice and build on it. You know, my parents always told me growing up, you practice how you play. If you practice poorly, you don't execute in practice. Well, when it comes to the game, you're not going to execute and you're going to play poorly in the game because that's your habit, right? You have to find a way to create good habits in practice when you can make mistakes and you can, for lack of a better word, fail basically, but then it doesn't happen in the game because you know what not to do. And so that's kind of like what I would tell myself to just relax, forget the outside noise and just go play and have fun and do what you've done your whole life and just play. And then for, for younger kids, I would, probably reiterate that message as well. Like, you know, have fun. Don't get caught up in the fact that so-and-so is drafted here at 16 and you're not, or so-and-so is committed here. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, there's a hundred, uh, there's thousands of different ways to get to the end goal of, if your end goal is to play junior, there's a bunch of ways to get to junior. If your end goal is to play college, there's a tons of different ways to get to college. If your end goal is to play pro, there's no path is the same. Yeah. I mean, the toughest part is, is don't compare yourself to the 1% of your birth year. Like there's always guys at every birth year and girls at every birth year that they just have something that no one else has. So of course they're going to be, you know, drafted in this, they're going to be looked at earlier. They're going to be picked earlier. What, whatever doesn't matter. What matters is, is, you continue to work hard, have fun and be who you want to be. Like don't fall into this trap of like, Oh, well I have to do it because that's what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. You have to make your own path, your own journey. And I would also say too, like go somewhere where you're going to play, be somewhere where you're going to have a chance to play and to, and to develop. I mean, if you're just going to a team just to say, oh, I played on the number one team here or the number one team there, well, what does that do for you? If you don't have, like, if you're not putting it on film, for, you know, then it doesn't help you. Like, you need to play and 
trust me, I think now more than ever, you know, when we were growing up, you had to be on some of those better teams to just get a look, right? But now I think there's so many ways to for scouts to watch or whatever. I mean, we have this program at the rink where I grow up, where I grew up playing. It's like called hockey barn or something. I don't know. It's like a parents get the login and the password and they can see what's going. They can watch the cameras. There's like four or five different camera angles. They can watch a game from their work. If their kids are have a game and they can't make, they can literally log in and watch what's going on in the rink. So if they can do that, I'm sure scouts can do the same thing. So just make sure you're, you're going somewhere where you're going to play and you're, and, and don't forget to have fun. I mean, if, when, as soon as it stops becoming fun, you know, you got to think of a way to make it fun again, or maybe it's not for you. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. That's, that's okay. Like not everyone's going to be, you know, a junior player. Not everyone's going to be a college player. Not everyone's going to be a pro player. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just don't get consumed by the fact that you are on a different path than someone else. You know, like I played two years of U18. Okay, fine. Well, I'm going on, this is my 10th year playing pro hockey. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't like, doesn't matter. You know, like I have friends that they played one year U16, one year U18, one year junior, and then played. 50 college games and no pro games, but they, you know, were a highly touted recruits or whatever. Well, now they don't play anymore. So it just, you know, it just shows like not everyone has to follow the same path is, is kind of like a good message and create your own path, whatever it may be, whether it's life or hockey, you know, and play a different sport too. Like don't, don't play like hockey 20, 24, seven, 365. Like you need a break, you know, like a lot, I see a lot of kids, like I do some stuff in the summer, like skills or here and there. And they just, they come out and they just, they have, it's like the last place they want to be. And I asked someone, like, do you want to be here? And they're like, well, not really. Like my parents told me to come and I'm like, do something else, play lacrosse, play football, play baseball, play soccer, like put your hockey gear away for a couple months and forget about it. Go hang out with your friends more. Do, you know, do something away from hockey, you know, cause you'd be surprised. I think too, like at least for kids, how well your hand eye coordination or your motor skills or, you know, whatever it may be playing a different sport can help you in a different sport. You know what I mean? Like, play lacrosse okay well that's a lot of hand eye well hand eye can help you a lot in hockey too or you know whatever it may be athleticism for basketball players you know athleticism can help you on the on the on the rink too so you know the more i think the more sports you get involved in or recreation things you get involved in it can only improve your athleticism improve your motor skills but that can it's only going to help so you know, don't consume yourself with the game of hockey or one sport. You know, if, if it's basketball, play something else when it's not basketball season. If it's baseball, play something else when it's not baseball season. You know, it's, I see it too often where kids spend the whole summer training and skating every other day. And 
by the time the season comes, it's they're like, oh, it's like the last place they want to be. So, yeah, that's no. There's a lot of good, uh, kind of good advice there, especially like like what you said. The two sport one, I think, is very important, and also the the having fun aspect. Like that's yeah. at the end of the day, the whatever sport you're playing, whatever activity you're doing, it needs to be fun. Or if you know, yeah, yeah, and I I think a little bit of that falls on the coaches too. At that age, I mean, when you're 12 to 15 like you know you can't be telling kids like oh you're not good enough or you know you gotta have a fun environment like maybe if they're not playing well it's still gotta be enjoyable for them because Mm -hmm. some kids that might be the only time they play hockey you know that might be their last season and as a coach i i couldn't live with you know forcing a kid out because he didn't have fun when Mm -hmm. i was his coach you know what i mean so it's like at the at the younger levels, I think the coaches have to do, you know, it's on them a little bit to to make it fun and to try to get results. You know, it's a fine line. You got to push to get results, but also you don't want to take it over the line where it's, you know, nobody wants to play, right? No, that's true, man. Um, yeah, I mean, great great way to end it. I think uh, I yeah, appreciate you yeah. taking the time and uh, yeah, a lot of good advice advice there and. Uh, you know, I wish you best. Keep playing, man. As I told you, yeah. keep, uh, yeah. keep buzzing Thank along you. there. Keep enjoying the experience. And uh, yeah, man, thanks again for the the past two episodes. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Happy to do it. Uh, happy to catch up with you as well. And um, hopefully they're not too long. Sorry, I talk a little, quite a bit, but um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully somebody takes something good out of it. So, but thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, they will for sure. Uh, as I said, lots of good advice there. For those listening, you know, you had two weeks with this guy. I hope you enjoyed it. A lot of good things. Uh, a lot of good things were said. A lot of good advice. And, you know, as he said, uh, you know, everyone's path is is different. And, you know, if you compare Kyle's yeah. and maybe someone else uh, back he was playing with who might not be playing anymore and Kyle's going on his 10th year pro. So that's uh, at the end of the yeah. day, that's the that's the takeaway. And uh, yeah. I appreciate you guys listening. And until next week, juice and chow.